Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to The Morning Beat. We're so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that our Vanessa or our producer Vanessa is with us now. She's been with us for a couple of weeks. This new year has been off to a great start. We appreciate you. Yes. I do want to point out, though, as I look through our rundown... So basically, for those listening at home, a rundown is uh, the show program for the day, basically, so that we can have it all in a document, yes, a Google document on our computer, so we know, so we know what's coming, right? So Vanessa organizes everything the day before. We can read through our stories, and we're totally prepared to give you at least well. There goes the sound on my computer, so we're 18 seconds in, and my sound's already going off. So we can at least give you sort of a an organized show as best we can. With, yeah. Within our skill set, Michaela, because you and I, we have we have limitations. Yeah, we're, we have major limitations. We're, we're human, I mean, right? We're excited when we just wake up, make it, absolutely. And then here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, today and every day, apparently, Vanessa wants to do stories about weddings because I'm getting married in June. Yeah. So what I've noticed is two or three times a day, I see a story about a wedding, and today she thought she'd throw me a curveball on what is my unbirthday, by the way, my six month birthday. Got it. Do you know what that is? Nobody celebrates that except for you celebrate you. your unbirthday if you're a summer birthday and you don't get to have treats and a celebration at school with your classmates Listen, as a kid. Lisa grew up Jehovah Witness. She didn't ever get to celebrate a birthday. <laughs> I she had the same birthday too. <laughs> well, coming up this hour, we're talking divorce registries. Okay. Vanessa, I, I rebuke that, by the way. Uh, I'm getting Wait, married. what I'm, is this? You can create a registry if you get well, divorced? Listen, people get have registries for marriages all the time, right? So now a new trend is a divorce registry. Are we on board with this? Is this is this a bad thing to put out into the world? Vanessa, you're looking at me with a little bit of sly look in your eyes. I don't like it. But honey, if I can get some free gifts, then maybe. My dad should have been he should have been doing this. He's been divorced. Three oh my times. god, I know my dad could have made some major right. bank off this. Our dads could have really been set up. Also a little bit later on today, it's Therapy Thursdays. We're talking to Dr. Peter Ditto on conspiracy theories and why why People are so enthralled by them. We've seen this happen in our country, and it's been happening around the world, but QAnon is literally insane. But the things that people believe and the lengths they will go to to hold on to those beliefs and to prove them, regardless of facts, it's 
fascinating, but it's also terrifying. Yeah. So we're bringing in the expert for Therapy Thursdays. If someone you know or love uh, maybe is going down the QAnon conspiracy theory rabbit hole, or maybe they're they're into other things. There's all sorts of conspiracies out there. Religion can be a bit cultish sometimes. We've got you covered in Therapy Thursdays, so stick around for that conversation a little bit later on. Right now, though, it's time for news on the beat. Michaela, from conspiracies to real news. Oh, God. What do you got? You tell the difference. New York's transgender inmates will get to choose where their house based on their gender identity under a policy directive included in Governor Kathy Hochul's $216 billion budget plan. The sweeping new policy says inmates who have a gender identity that differs from their assigned sex at birth will have the right to request placement in prison housing with persons of the gender that is consistent with such person's gender identity. Prison wardens will have the final say on the request, making decisions on a case-by-case basis that takes into account safety, security, or health concerns. Now, transgender inmates also must have access to department-issued undergarments and clothing that are consistent with the individual's gender identity and shall have the ability to receive undergarments, clothing, and personal care items through package procedures. According to language in Hogel's budget bill covering the State Department of Correctional Services and Supervision, transgender inmates also have the right to obtain gender-affirming medical and mental health care. Hogel's plan also orders the DOCCS commissioner to draft rules and train officers to forbid discrimination against transgender inmates. I love this. I feel like the most dangerous place, if not the streets, is prison when you are trans. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because so many people think, oh, once you're an inmate, you're just, you don't deserve anything. Inmates are still humans that have made mistakes, by and large. Yeah. Like I think we have this idea that every single one is like a, is a serial killer. Like they're this demonic, horrible person. By and large, most inmates are decent people who made a bad choice well, once or twice or a handful of times. I watch those shows like 60 Days In and to see what they have... You know, it's so tough. If people don't put money on your books, they've got... The food looks disgusting. I mean, the way that we treat people in... Inhumane. Prison is and now they've been treated. Now they've been testing... Uh, testing COVID therapies on some of them and they're being sued. Did you hear about that story? No. They were using ivermectin, I believe, or something uh, something on inmates in a prison. Can't believe, I can't remember what state. I'll find it and get it news on the beat. And they're getting sued now because they're literally trying it out on them like they're guinea pigs, like they're lab rats. You know, it's so awful because I feel like, and it's so, such a common phrase, but hurt people hurt people. Most mm-hmm. of the people in prison you know, didn't have a good childhood. And, and that's never an excuse, but like people don't know what to do with all their feelings. They go out and they do unto others what they were taught. I just feel like it's really sad. Oh, it's uh, an Arkansas jail. They gave them ivermectin to treat COVID. Uh, and now they're against their will. Now they're suing. That's crazy. Right? Mm. All right, well, let's get into some weather. It's a high of 79 in La Quinta, 79 in Cathedral City, 27 in Cleveland, 18 in Chicago, 46 in Baltimore, 72 in Phoenix, 18 in Kansas City, 79 in Palm Springs, a high of 63 in Vegas, and 73 in L.A. Now give us a vibe of the day. This vibe is very much for both of us, so I feel like if it works for both of us, it probably works for somebody at home right now, too. Okay. You didn't come this far to only come this far. Mm. So much more. You know what that reminds me of? Have you guys seen that photo of, it looks like a caveman and he's like 
hitting the dirt and he's like so close to the diamond. Mm -hmm. He's made it all the way to the diamond and then he quits. And you're like, no, you have no idea what's on the other side of like one more push. Yes, yes, don't give up. Let's be the love generation or let's sign up for a divorce registry. If that's not a transition from that song (laughs) to this topic, I don't know what is. Because listen, we all know about wedding registries, baby registries, all sorts of things. You get married, you start a family, you're going to get some free gifts, right? People are going to give you stuff. You're going to have showers and and things like that. But what about a divorce registry? Because breakups are hard, honey. And when you're splitting everything... And all of a sudden, your favorite toaster oven is gone. Listen, how not do you move the on? Toaster Those things are oven. expensive. They're like a hundred bucks. They are, or more. And that's the smaller items. When I broke up with my ex, I remember um, I felt bad because I was breaking up with him. So I was like, "You can keep everything." And then I literally was like, "I have nothing, nothing," <laughs> and I had no money. And I was like, "Oh God." Well, my ex years ago let me keep everything basically, and. I think it was actually looking back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of a flex because you knew that I couldn't afford to get new stuff at the time. This was like 15 years ago. Yeah. And he could. He was older than me and he was like, I'll start over. And I was like, oh, He left wow. you some good stuff though. I still like totally, Yeah, I, I, still, <laughs> I still have some of the stuff that he left me. So that's there's that. But there are two new companies out there called, uh, one's called Fresh Starts Registry and the other one is called Divorcist. I like that name a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, and they've sprung up to help recent divorcees put their lives back together one blender at a time. This is really fantastic. Uh, They go on to say, at a moment when the notion of a registry has expanded beyond weddings and baby showers to everything from getting a puppy to Valentine's Day, these sites want to normalize and streamline the process of restocking a home after it's split apart. Well, I think it's kind of smart. You know, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, A friend of mine is going through a divorce. She met her husband when they were 18. They are now 34. They're really best friends, but she's like, I, I've known the same man since I was 18 years old, and I'm I'm, I'm different. Isn't and that wild different. to think people get together that young, and yeah. then all of a sudden they're, they're your age, yeah. or they're seven or eight years younger Three than me, kids. and they're already getting divorced with a full family. Yes, and so she is making all of her stories right now are like, divorce doesn't have to be ugly. My ex-husband came over for dinner. Uh, we had family dinner. He's still fixing all my things, and she's like... We have to normalize divorce. It doesn't have to be this ugly, drawn-out thing. We're still best friends, but we fell out of love because we met when we're 18 and now we're 34. However, she also talks about having to rebuild. And so in this situation, I don't hate... Having a registry to help people who decided they don't want to be in love anymore. Well, and as it turns out, people want to help. Like, people empathize. There's a woman by the name of Emily Aronson. She was 37 years old, a divorced mother of three from Florida. While the divorce was happening, she, on a whim one day, randomly, and I think these are the sorts of stories that sparked the idea for these two companies, she went on Amazon and created the wish list. Well, she posted about it on her Facebook, Facebook, and she said there was an outpouring of support from people she hasn't talked to in 20 years. Like she's talking like high school friends reaching out. One of her old high school friends purchased two hundred dollars worth of bar set uh, bar stools for her from her list. Like the people want to help out, and I think the thing is, it's interesting. As I plan this wedding, how many people in my life that I consider close, family sometimes, and friends, who have won, not yet 
even RSVP to the wedding invites, which is which is a whole other thing because people get busy and it's fine. We've sent out plenty of reminders, and there's still a handful of people who have not RSVP'd. That's fine. But also, some of those same people, and I, I guess I'm asking why I even invited them, haven't even congratulated me on getting engaged. And I've been engaged for 13 months now. You know, I'm going to tell you something. So I, I say, I, but I say this to say that I don't think everybody's so thrilled about people living happily ever after all the time. And when they yeah. say like, misery loves company, they they're getting help. divorced and they want to they show up. Well, you know, it's so funny. I was talking in <clears throat> therapy the other day and I said, I'm really mad that when my grandma died in April 2020, that nobody came to take care of me. I, I didn't have anybody reach out to mm-hmm. me. And I, it was part of the loneliness and I was very angry because I was like, I feel like I've been there for so many people and like, what? And she was like, I know how you could feel that way. We were also deep in a pandemic. People were losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. People probably did care. People also were just trying to bury their loved ones. They were also Mm -hmm. trying to find how they were going to make money. And it put so much into perspective we're still in a pandemic. Yep. People are still stressed. And to see people uh, getting divorced, it might make them feel better because yeah. their marriage fell and apart. And also, full transparency. I was in your life going through that with you. I didn't get you a gift. I didn't. I don't even think I sent you flowers. I remember getting you Starbucks that next morning and getting your partner a blueberry oatmeal. And I remember thinking, like, I need to do more. And then also being just overwhelmed by my life at the time. But, but so, you like, Jenny, I'm, I'm your best friend. And I was right there. And I, 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 I hear that. So, it, sometimes you got to show people grace. Also, we're all dealing with a lot. Yeah. And misery does love company because divorce registries are a thing. Get they into are, it. They are a thing. People <laughs> love it. All right. Coming up in What's Poppin', is Kathy Griffin still canceled after the Donald Trump photo scandal? We'll discuss why coming up next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for our first round of What's Poppin'. And for the princess uh, of pop culture, Michaela Gordon, um, I'm sure it's going to be a good one. I can't wait. I'm excited. What do you have for us? It's riveting. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Kathy Griffin is speaking out about the fallout from her photo shoot involving a bloodied replica of former President Donald Trump's head. She's saying, I wasn't canceled. I was erased. She's saying that she's tried to make a comeback and people just keep wanting to make her an enemy. But you and I were talking, and I think this is a point that's important to be made. Her show, Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List, uh, on the D-List which aired from on Bravo from 2005 to 2010. Which, I, at the time, I was obsessed with. I was equally so obsessed good. with. Remember when she met I loved, Cher? Yeah, and I loved Maggie. I liked yeah, her mom and her moo-moos. Dad. The, the day drinking, it was a lot. All of it. It was so great. But if you think about it, Kathy Griffin literally made her career dragging celebrities, sharing their stories, going to events and saying, I'm not going to say whose house it was, but it rhymes with Schmim Schmashian. Like literally was giving you the tea. Was that you rhyming with Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Was it good? <laughs> Did you understand? <laughs> and you kind of said it best. She was really the equivalent of Perez Hilton and Perez Hilton has been canceled many times. And kind of seems really irrelevant now. Listen, I think that I... uh, I don't know how to say this. I'm a fan of Kathy Griffin, but I also am not a fan of Kathy Griffin. And I think that what we're learning, and sometimes it feels like, oh, we're too woke, cancel culture, get rid of it. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, this one kind of makes sense. Perez Hilton was trash. 
by and large, Kathy Griffin was also kind of trash. And she was mean. Yeah. She was a mean comic. And she would make comments about people's bodies and, and things that were very, very personal. And to me, she represents sort of what we were as a people at that time. And also, unfortunately, what too many gay men were. That's what I thought it meant yes. to be gay. I thought to be a gay guy, I had to be sassy and witty and half fast comebacks and just make fun of people and be mean. Yeah. And that's what yes. I thought when I moved to L.A. 20 years ago. I thought that's, okay, this is it. It's 15, 16 years ago. I was like, okay, this is it. This is what gays are here. And I hated myself for the longest time because I was like, I can be sassy and I can throw, honey, I can, I can throw shade. But I'm like, this isn't who I am at my core. And I felt like every gay in the world was like gagging for Kathy Griffin. And I, I just feel like it's outdated. I feel like as a woman who loves gay men, I felt like I needed to be like Kathy Griffin. You and there were mean. moments, yeah. Yes. And we were like, kick it and yeah, yeah, and just rude. And it's like, yeah. Also, the way. The way that I said, yeah, and your head naturally, naturally. gave me a little bump. Because it, here's the thing. You felt it in your soul, and I really appreciate it. Queer that. people, gay guys in particular, and their girlfriends, we have we have a language, yep. a way of communicating with each other. And it's because also there's a lot of trauma under underneath all of that. It's how we entertain and how we deflect and distract and what, what we've been doing for so long. Well... Now we're into a new era where we're allowed to get married. We're having more rights. We're still fighting for them. Equality is still a far off, you know, dream. I get that. But I don't think that we're our best selves when we're constantly just digging on each other and kikiing all the time. Sometimes it's better to have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? It's healthier. Yeah. Uh, Well, in better news, uh, very excited gay news, Adam Rippon, who's been on our show, is officially off the market. The Olympic figure skater secretly tied the knot with his Finnish real estate broker fiancé. So congratulations to him. Isn't that sweet? A good good happy ending. Yeah, we love a happy ending. Is there such thing as a bad one, though? See, there I am. I'm being sassy and I'm about to kiki again, aren't we? <laughs> I know. We? I, I literally went right there with Can't you. Can't break the habit. We cannot. All right, coming up, an attack on a trans man uh, is making major news as Uber let him down, left him on the side of the road. And we'll be talking with him coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we have a heartbreaking story of a trans man, an activist, uh, who was attacked uh, taking public transportation in Denver, Colorado recently and got into an Uber Thought that was a safe space. Little did he know it was going to get so much worse from there. Uh, and Uber, it, it, Uber, Uber, Uber has a lot, a lot of answering to do right now. Uh, and we're going to have him on the show in 15 minutes to share his powerful story. Uh, it's just another reminder that even in places that seem like they might be super safe. You know, we were in Denver not that long ago celebrating Pride. Michaela, you performed. We had the time of our lives. It's a very progressive time. city. But even in safe spaces... Uh, we're still not safe, especially our trans brothers and sisters. So we're having that conversation coming up in about 15 minutes. So stick around for that. It's going to be powerful. Uh, right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. Michaela, what do you have for us? Okay, well, HBO and HBO Max have become the top contenders at the Glad Media Awards with a combined 19 nominations, landing the bulk of its nods for its TV shows like Hacks, The Other Two, and The Sex Lives of College Girls. The annual awards honor media for fair and accurate representations of LGBTQ people. Streaming services nabbed a total of 63 nominees, with cable receiving 39 nominations and broadcast networks receiving 17 nominations. Glad noted that the representation came during a year when anti-transgender violence rose and lawmakers across the U.S. introduced a number of bills attempting to stop transgender youth from participating in sports and accessing health care. Representation is so important. Yeah. And and I think that the silver lining sometimes to things like these anti-trans bills all over the country, there were like 100, I think I saw like 174 of them or something last year alone. Yeah. Uh, is that there's pushback from the creative communities and people start to stand up and fight. We saw all these people, this coalition formed like we've never seen because of Donald Trump, right? And these voters got out and they voted. So there is a balance. We just hope that the balance eventually outweighs the negative. And I will say this, speaking of representation, I finally watched SNL from the weekend, Ariana DeBose, Kate McKinnon. They did multiple skits together. And one of the ones we talked to was uh, talked about on our show, I actually went back and watched the two of them uh, deciphering these ancient scripts, these scrolls from the island of Lesbos. And let me tell you, oh honey, my God. it is so funny. And I was like, huh, I feel like I know lesbians better now. Huh. I'm like watching that's it the whole amazing. time. The whole time I'm thinking of you and Lisa. I'm like, huh, that's accurate. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. There's that's some really so good sketches funny. from this weekend. So go check it out and support. I love it. All right. Uh, in other news, the year-long Democratic push for federal voting rights legislation died in the Senate on Wednesday night after Republicans blocked an elections bill for the fifth time in six months and Democrats failed to unite their caucus behind a plan to rewrite the Senate's rules and pass it anyway. The final clash, which has been brewing since Democrats won congressional majorities a year ago as uh, Republican legislatures in 19 states embarked on a campaign to roll back election access, began with an evening vote to close debate on a sprawling voting rights bill. That vote at the Senate's traditional 60 vote margin for legislation failed on party lines. Senate Majority Leader Charles E. Schumer then moved to reconsider the legislation to propose a rules change, allowing for the bill's advancement with a simple majority of 51 votes. The Senate rejected that maneuver 52 to 48 with two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, joining all 50 Republicans in opposition. They're the literal worst. They're the worst. I just don't understand why on earth we can't agree. Like Politicians can't agree on the right to vote. Like You it's know what that crazy. means? Democracy is just in peril right now. 
And if they're trying to do this, this opens the door for so many other things they can do, rights they can take away from us. It's just, it's insane to me. It's just a very scary time. And listen, Joe Biden isn't my, my, I'm not like enthusiastic about Joe Biden. Like he's an old white guy. I get it. But also I think he's a really good person. And I think that he has great ideas for our country and he's trying his hardest to get things done. And the Republican Party and a couple of his own party members just will not help him. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be looking back on, on this moment in history in the not too distant future, I'm afraid of, and say, God, what look what we had. Yeah. Where did it go? Yeah. It scares me. It's really scary. Lisa said the same thing to me yesterday. We were talking and she said, we've never been in a position like this. No. Ever. No. Ever. Like we're, we're literally in a civil war with ourselves without drawing guns. That's what's happening right yeah. now in our country. And it's really, really sad. It's sad and it's very scary. All right, let's get into some weather. 73 in LA, 63 in Vegas, 79 in Palm Springs, 18 in Kansas City, 77 in Miami, 59 in San Francisco, 54 in Atlanta, a high of 27 in Buffalo, 18 in Chicago, 19 in St. Louis, and 79 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day. Before I get to our vibe, Michaela, I need your personal advice. We've got another minute or so to talk this through. Uh, you know, we're talking to someone who was uh, in an Uber, tried to get to safety, a trans man who was attacked, and Uber did not respond well. Right. Well, from one problematic large, large corporation to another, Facebook. I just got an email, Okay. So there is somebody who is impersonating me on Facebook, using all of my photos, pretending to be me, posting all of these things. Iconic, you're famous. Some, I hate it. I don't like it. It's happened a few times. Somebody reached out, let me know, and I said, you should you should let Facebook know. So I did. They reviewed it and said, oh, we didn't find this person's trying to be like, I'm like, what? Of course they are. So then she also submitted, and I got an email back. It says, hi, AJ. We reviewed the profile your friend reported and found that it isn't pretending to be you and doesn't go against our community standards. Note, if you see something on someone's profile that shouldn't be on Facebook, be sure to report the content not the entire profile the whole profile is pretending to be me the whole profile that's so they're all they're only my photos they're 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 literally writing captions as if it's me and i and i reached out through my verified account and said hey facebook can you help me with this and they're like oh no they're not pretending to be you i'm like that i took that photo in bali that one's from Mexico. That's that's me and my fiance. Why can't they do anything no about idea. it? These corporations sometimes are too big for their own good. They don't know how to get out of their own way. Yeah, that's insane. So I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. We're going to have a guest on in a moment who's dealing with Uber. Yeah, these apps right. are out of control. Capitalism, am I right? Yeah. Don't like it. Here's your vibe of the day. You didn't come this far to only come this far. That's right. I'm going to take this battle all the way to the... Take it all Mark, the way. Mark Zuckerberg, I guess? Yeah. Do we have his number? Take it to the metaverse. <laughs> Yikes. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Coming up, an attack on a trans man happened in Denver, and Uber refused to give him a ride after the attack happened. He joins us to talk about this coming up next. B. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, this next story is powerful. It's important. Uh, it's happening in real time, uh, and we're so grateful uh, that the man at the center of this uh, was able to call in today and share his story with us. We're joined now by Sire Klinky, who's a trans activist uh, and is going through, kind of going through it right now. Sire, first and foremost, thank you for being here, and how are you? I'm pretty good, um, given the circumstances. Well, well, let's, yeah, let's break this down a bit because you went through a pretty horrific experience uh, in Denver on the 8th of January, right? The rest of us are excited about 2022. We're starting off the new year, new me, and you were attacked and brutally beaten. 
uh, and you to get away, you called an Uber. You get in the Uber, and what happens? Um. Yes. So I ended up. It. 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 A lot occurred. It started on the seventh, and then of course I was in the hospital through the eighth. Um, I was actually trying to get on the train um, headed south at 16th and Stout. Um, and I was pretty hyper-focused on trying to get to the train on time because I knew there were only two of them left. Um, and so I was pretty focused on that and was uh, physically assaulted kind of from behind in the side. Um, and I was able to turn around and kind of try to defend myself by pushing the individual off of me um, the best I could. Um, I'm pretty pretty small, um, so I didn't have much luck there, um, but was able to run away. Um, and at that point, I was uh, kind of, I was concussed because I'd been punched a couple times and my head had been slammed against the ground, um, but was luckily cognitive enough to try to call an Uber, thinking that that would be my quickest way to safety. Um, and uh, the Uber driver arrived. I was having trouble navigating um, they did call my phone um, and helped me navigate to the Uber. Um, and once I got in the Uber, they looked at me and were like, you know, because being trans um, and being from Texas, it's the, the process to get my name and gender um, marker changed on my identity is pretty hard. And Uber doesn't allow you to change your name as a trans person until you've gone through the whole port, like court process. Mm. And so, uh, you know, my name does not necessarily match how I sound because um, it's still um, my previous name, which is more feminine. So I immediately get asked, you know, are you this person? And I'm like, you know, yes, it's me. And I try to explain myself. I'm, I say I'm a transgender man. I've just been assaulted and I'm trying to get to a safe place. Please help me. And they said, I don't give rides to people like you. Get out of my car right now. And at that point, I again feared for my safety, and I got out of the Uber. Um, and uh, I do know that I had a little bit of a, an, a verbal conversation with an individual at the street at that point, trying to get reoriented towards 16th. So I know there were people that witnessed me getting kicked out of the Uber. I'm not sure about you know, the actual assault because it happened so fast. But I did end up feeling like my only option home was to go back to the 16th Street um, and Stout Station southbound. Um, and I ended up taking that home. Um, you know, sir, you know, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I, I feel like it's surprising to know that this happened to Denver. It happened in Denver. And to our listeners uh, on Alice 105.9, uh, FM HD2. I was just in Denver singing at Pride and I felt like it was so progressive and it just goes to show you no matter where you are, even if it feels progressive, these attacks are still happening for you to not only be attacked by strangers and then to not be allowed into an Uber. I think though, what is even more disgusting is how Uber responded when you told them about the attack. Absolutely. And, you know, I live in Denver partly because of some of the ways I've been treated, um, you know, in the place I've grown up, which was Texas. Um, but, yeah, I reported it to Uber when I got home. And, again, I was concussed. So I'm lucky that I had the um, cognitive thoughts to even do that. 
Um, and I think it was more for the initial cancellation fee. I just didn't want to be charged, you know, the $6 that they charge you for just the cancel because, you know, the guy didn't even help me. Um, and then uh, they responded initially asking, you know, if they could speak with me. And I said yes. Um, and someone spoke with me on the phone for maybe three or four minutes. Um, didn't ask a lot of questions. Didn't really give me a whole lot of an opportunity to talk. Um, and then I got an email um, yesterday morning, or two days ago, sorry, that said, um, you know, we're going to give you $15, and we wanted to let you know that we spoke to the person that they're not allowed to um, discriminate against against writers. Um, and I thought that that was really frustrating because the one piece that I really held on to from my conversation with the woman from Uber via the phone was that she said that they were really taking it serious because the driver was trying to get back on the road. So it was just kind of concerning to know, based off the things Uber was literally telling me, that they were more concerned about getting a driver on the road than the safety of drivers. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care about $15. It wouldn't have been the end of the world if I didn't even get my refund for that cancellation. I care about, am I going to be safe driving in an Uber in the future? Are my friends going to be safe driving in Uber in the future? My family, like, that really makes me concerned because, you know, a lot of people, especially during this pandemic, have been relying on Uber. Mm. Um, and not, and, well, not even know. just during the pandemic. A lot of people just rely on Uber, especially, it, it, as you say, as a member of the queer community. You know, public transportation can be a little bit scary sometimes. And an Uber is seems like a safer alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a company like Uber, who touts their support of our community during the month of Pride every year during June, uh, you would think that they would be doing more, that they take this more seriously. Hopefully, uh, this interview and your social media presence and everybody else sharing this will, will help make that happen. I do want to point out... Lyft is always a good option, and Lyft is very supportive of our community. Mm-hmm. They have an entire section on their website that is literally uh, helping their drivers and, and Lyft riders understand terms like intersex, non-binary, pansexual, queer. I mean, the difference between sexual orientation. I mean, they, they really break it down over at Lyft, and maybe Uber could take a page out of their playbook. Um, we're so glad that you're safe, and we're so sorry that this happened to you in a place that we both love. We both love Denver. Love. And to think that you tried to get away from a place where you felt uncomfortable and this happened, um, we love you. We support you, and thank you for having the courage to share your story. Keep sharing it. We'll do the same, and hopefully something good comes out of this. I know. I'm so sorry, honey. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I just want to honestly just make this community and society safer for all of us, you know? Same. Well, thank you We're so there much. with you. We'll talk to you soon, babe. Of course. You too. Y'all have a great one. You too. You too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. If this isn't a touchy conversation, Woo! I don't know what is. It's 7.38 or so here on the West Coast, 10.38 on the East Coast. You know what that means? Our boss is listening. That's what that means. Good morning. So there's sweat beating on my forehead. Brian, this is not directed towards you, mostly. Good morning. Uh, this conversation, though, the idea of normalizing no in the workplace uh, after uh, it, it's getting some more traction again after this story a worker abruptly shuts down their manager who tried to guilt trip them into coming to work because uh, it's understaffed now this has gone viral on social media tiktok of course tiktok i feel like is just the thing these days listen it's TikTok, opening people's minds and getting conversations started it's a flex for sure and it is Really, so incredible the way that it's impacting people, even that live in different states and smaller cities, um, for people to see that you can do things like say no. You yeah. can do things like well, this video. This video is interesting because it shows an employee being asked to come into work on their day off because other employees called out due to COVID nineteen. It's garnered two point two million views on TikTok so far, uh, and so the boss calls. And says, yeah, unfortunately, we had some team members call out today due to COVID. And this person, his name is Drake, he says, you don't have anybody else. Uh, And the boss says, I know you're not on the schedule, but we were actually wondering if you could come in anyway. Uh, We're a little short-staffed. We could really use you. They then tell their employer, uh, no, and have a good night before hanging up. Says, uh, so there it is. Now, I think that the boss is completely in the right here. The boss has absolutely every right to ask. Absolutely. I right? totally You're short-staffed, agree. and that is not an abnormal yeah, thing. I'm not dragging, not dragging the boss at all. They're, they're just trying to keep the place running, of yeah. course. But the employee says, nope, and then says to their friends, hey, you want to go to Target? And that's where I think people get tricky because people, we have this mentality in the United States that calling off sick or taking a day off for personal reasons or just saying no. Yeah. If you're in one of those jobs, we worked in them for many, many years. Or we didn't have a set schedule. This is the most structure I've had in my entire life is this Same. gig. I'm, I'm an entertainer. So I'm either working one-off gigs or <laughs> working in a restaurant for many years, yeah. bartending, and that schedule changed every single week, right? And there would be times when your boss calls and says, hey, do you want to come in and pick up a shift? We need we need you to cover. And you might need the money and you might say yes. Absolutely. But also, I was the type of person I would never say no. Never. I was always afraid. Afraid of what would happen. I never said I took no. one day off. I, I write about this in my book, Flipping Ugh. the Script. I took one day off when I was the host of Hollywood Today Live over at Fox. It was a national talk show. One day. And then I said, they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. I have days off. I can use them, right? They're like, yeah, but you've never taken a day off before. And I was like, well, I'd like to take one day off to go home for the weekend because my dad got tickets to the Buckeyes football game and I want to go. It's my alma mater. And they're like, uh, uh, we're going to have to figure it out. And I'm like, 
Have Ross Matthews come in. He's fantastic. He's been a guest on the show many times. He's great. He filled in for me one day and they gave him my job. So, I mean, so if that's not traumatizing. But so for many years, even after that, I was afraid to ever take a day off. Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm learning about myself. And I love Ross. He's very talented and he it was, it, he deserved the job. I didn't I didn't enjoy the job, but that's neither here nor no, there. No, that was shady and they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I Drag will him. say <laughs> that I'm a total yes girl. I won't take a day off. But I learned a very important lesson. This was nobody's fault. But in April of 2020, we were hosting from home. We were very thankful to still have a job. And my grandma passed away, and I was really suffering. The worst timing. The, the worst, worst. Like, we we worst. literally were hanging on. The, the station, to be fair, to his credit, our boss, Brian, really kept us on the air in yes. a lot of ways. And so, did, and so did your partner, Lisa. Yes, absolutely. So it was a tricky situation, but you should have taken weeks off. But I wished I would have mm-hmm. taken a week off, a week to have really spent that with my grandma. I remember coming back to LA and just working through it. And honestly, I feel like it caused a bit of a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I I think that it was a tricky time for everybody, but it did teach me moving forward that sometimes you just have to say, I can't, I don't. Well, we, we're I, fortunate no. enough to have a boss who does allow us to take the time. Oh, and he has yeah. said from day one, he's like, listen, your mental health is more important to me than anything else. So if you need percent. the time, take the time. But if you're struggling and you don't have one of those bosses and you're just trying to wonder, here are some quick tips on, on, on getting the time off that you need. Say something as simple as, unfortunately, I have too much to do today. I can help you another time. Um, or, you know, Sounds nice. I appreciate you reaching out, uh, but I have a lot going on. Or simply say, listen, I'm not comfortable doing that task. Is there anyone else that can help you? Well, there are other ways to say no than to say in flat out no. It's important to remember if you're not on the schedule, it's okay for you to say, yeah, hey, not, I got to take my, I, I also have like chores. Like I got I want to do my own thing. Or you can or be like, I want to watch season two of Ted Lasso absolutely. today, so I don't feel like it. You can also say that too. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up in What's Poppin', the Britney Spears saga continues on Instagram. Should somebody stop Britney Spears from responding? Or is it okay? We discuss next. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. From the princess of pop culture, that's you, Michaela, to the princess of pop, we all know who that is, it's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Oh, it just keeps getting worse. Britney Spears is continuing to blast Jamie Lynn Spears via Instagram as it seems the pop star is still furious over her younger sister's Call Her Daddy interview, which the fact that the interview is called Call Her Daddy, I just, there's so much involved there. (laughs) And I love it. Uh, She went on to call her sister a selfish little brat. She said, saying how weird and dumb it was that I had bought a house for Mama, she was so proud, and you told that interview girl that it was just weird. Uh, She said, uh, now looking back, like, what a weird effing thing to do. She goes on to also say that... Jamie absolutely did not deal with any trauma. She had the support of all of her family because by the time Jamie Lynn was old enough, Britney had already secured everything financially. So when Britney went home for the first time uh, after being this humongous pop star, she recalls going into the backyard, seeing Jamie Lynn floating on a float in the pool, having a chocolate milkshake. A very different reality her than what she had grown up with. Her mom tending to her. Yep. 
and she remembers being like, oh my God, I, I've never had anybody nurture me. She also goes on, here's the thing about Britney. Here's the thing. She does come off chaotic, but if you listen to what she says, she makes 100% sense. Yeah. She said, I got that my mom wasn't going to nurture me and give me chocolate shakes when I got to her house because I was already an adult. But the little girl in me wanted my mom to give me milkshakes the way that she was catering to Jamie Lynn. There's a lot of therapy that needs to take place here. And and when she's talking about uh, Jamie Lynn revealing in, in the, the interview that Brittany bought a house or offered to buy a house for her mom, it was if she left the dad. So the dad's been problematic for a long time. Yeah. And and Jamie Lynn saying that's effed up. I'm like, I don't think it really is. I think that's I think that's a daughter who is capable and saying, Hey, listen, I can get you out of the situation. If you want to leave him, I support that and I will literally give you a roof over your head while that transition happens. Well, Brittany also says that her mother was on the floor uh in a in a drug Mindset. She'd taken so many painkillers, dealing and grieving with the divorce from her husband. Wow. And she's, Brittany's saying, Jamie, you didn't see that. And well, as an okay. older sister yes, and as yes. an older brother yep, for yep, you, yep. I protected my I brother all of it. from so many yes. things that he'll come to me and be like, hey. And I'm like, Sam, you didn't anybody, see that. Yeah, anybody who is an older sibling who's listening to this you right get now it, can Vanessa, relate to you it. Get it. When, when, my, when my younger stepsister died on our living room floor, a couple days before Christmas, and I was a teenager, I immediately, the very first thing I did was ran upstairs and grabbed my sister and my baby sister, my two sisters, and I kept them in the bedroom so they wouldn't see a thing. The ambulance came, paramedics came, took her away. They never saw a thing. To this day, I've had to work through that in, in therapy. There are so many instances like that as an older sibling that you instinctively protect the younger sibling from. So their reality, and it's, it's what you want for them, right? You want the younger one to not experience those things. That's a good well, thing. But it's hard then when they're throwing daggers at you. Girl, listen and they to didn't, me. They didn't live through the stuff you listen, lived through. I love my I love my brother. Mm-hmm. My brother and I got into a humongous falling out. Um, and it was very much worth it. And I wanted to drag my brother for filth for the things that he was saying and doing. Because I also feel like how she probably feels and how you feel about your sister Bitch, I took care of you. Yep. I did everything for you. How are you going to like come at me like that sure. with these like crazy... Like one time my brother was mad at me and he was like, you never took care of me. And I was like, I will murder <laughs> So I, I can relate to Brittany. Yeah. I feel for her. I do too. I think she still needs a little bit of help, but we all do. We all do. Yeah. Well, speaking of help, it's Therapy Thursdays and we're talking about the psychology behind why people believe in conspiracy theories coming up in the next hour. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. What would it take for you to go full-on conspiracy theory? Nothing. Have you ever lost a loved one to an extreme religion or maybe even a cult? And how on earth do you have a conversation to try to get them, you pull them back from the edge? We're having this conversation in Therapy Thursday uh, coming up here in about 15 minutes. It's it's something that's affected so many of us in this last year or two. Uh, We never thought we'd be here, but with QAnon and other conspiracy theories running rampant on a global level now, uh, we're talking to a therapist, uh, Dr. Peter Ditto, about exactly that coming up. Things to look for uh, if you think somebody might be kind of on the edge and how to kind of pull them back if yeah. it's even possible. It's, a, it's such a tricky conversation, but we're going to have it here on Therapy Thursdays here on the Morning Beat. Did I say Therapy Thursdays? Therapy. Therapy. 
We're going to thoroughly discuss it in Therapy Thursdays. I'm very excited. Listen, it's intense having this conversation and having the conversation with a conspiracy theorist, um, a friend of mine who I've known since I was two years old. She's my best, best friend. I can't even post her on social media anymore because I don't want anyone to know that we're friends mm-hmm. because she posts all these crazy things on well, her Instagram. Well, she lives in Texas. Yeah. My but sister I'm like, lived there Girl. for a while and she went full on conspiracy well, theory too. Well, she came to visit me and she would not stop talking about it. I was depressed. So she came to visit me. She made me more depressed. I was like, get out of my house. It's Jim Yeah, the things they believe are wild. Yeah. But also, if we're going to do better, we have to understand the psychology of it all. That's why we're taking the Therapy Thursday. Yes. <sighs> right now, it's time for news on the beat, it's though. What do you got? so much, darling. Okay, well, um, New York's transgender inmates will get to choose where they're housed based on their gender identity under a policy directive included in Governor Kathy Hochul's $216 billion budget plan. The sweeping new policy says inmates who have a gender identity that differs from their assigned sex at birth will have the right to request placement in prison housing with persons of the gender that is consistent with such person's gender identity. Prison wardens will have the final say on the request, making decisions on a case-by-case basis that takes into account safety, security, or health concerns. Transgender inmates also have the right to obtain gender-affirming medical and mental health care. Hochul's plan also orders the DOCCS commissioner to draft rules and train officers to forbid discrimination against transgender inmates. Right, another news. Recent Gallup poll results are about party identification. At the start of the 2021, of the 2021, the number of Americans who identify as Democrat or lean Democrats stood at 49%, compared to 40% for those who identify as or lean Republican. However, by the end of the year, those numbers had dramatically shifted. Now, 47% of respondents identified with the GOP compared with 42% for Democrats. As Gallup noted, since it began measuring party identification in 1991, in most years, significantly more Americans have identified as Democrats or as independents who lean Democratic than as Republicans or Republican leaners. The shift this year was likely the result of how Americans viewed the departing president at the beginning of the year and the current president at the end of the year. Isn't that wild? I just, I just, again, it goes into the conspiracy theory conversation we're having a little bit. I just want to get into the mind of conservatives. Like, what is it that you're so afraid of? You know, it's so funny. I always, I'm obviously very deep into therapy, so it's all I talk about. But my therapist, when I went to therapy with my dad, she said, the reason why Rocky, who's my dad, the reason Rocky, why it's important that you explain why you left when Michaela was five is because when somebody doesn't have an answer... They make they up create an one. Yep. And so I had all of these reasons in my head that were very destructive. It was a very personal thing for me. And when he told me, here's why I left, I got the understanding and the perspective. And that's just true with everything. And I think that people are scared. They don't know what's going on. They don't know when COVID's going COVID's to end. They don't know if they're going to lose loved ones. They don't know if when a loved one has COVID. When Lisa got COVID in July, I was terrified. I had like three days where I was sobbing. I was Mm. like, what has she done? Like, you just don't know. Yeah. And your brain is so filled that you just start making answers. And I feel like Donald Trump so expertly did this and showed the Republican Party this is a way to, to win again is he saw that and he saw how afraid people are. People are afraid of 
minorities. First, it was uh, Mexicans. They're all rapists and murderers, right? That's how he started his campaign. That's one of the very first things he said. And then it was, let's be afraid of black people. They're all protesters. They're rioting. They're looting. And then all of a sudden, COVID happens. And all these things. And then all of a sudden, it's trans bathrooms and trans athletes and all these other things, right? Because people have learned, like, oh, gay marriage isn't that bad. We don't need to be afraid of it anymore. Yeah. Because they actually see it. So now it's a new thing to be afraid of. Yeah. And uh, by and large, honestly, genuinely, I believe that most people are good people, right? But also most people are pretty simple. Most people stay in the towns they were born in. They yeah. never really venture out. Yeah. They still have Sunday dinner with their families. That's my family. I get it. Mine too. So most people only know what they know. They know it's in their immediate surroundings. And so when you look at the news, and the news these days is more opinion, talking heads than anything. You know, I don't claim to be the news. I'm an, I'm an opinion. I share my opinions. Yep. That's what my job is to do. I'm not a news broadcaster in this position. Right? So that this is what I do. But most people... They're so easily swayed to think, to follow, to believe something because they have no idea what's going on with the world. Our country is chaotic. The world seems like it's on fire and they want to fill in the blanks. A million percent. I mean, there's nothing worse than a family of five stuck in their homes after parents losing their jobs and all you can do is watch the news for a year. You can't tell your kids like it's going to be okay because you don't even know. Yeah. I talked to my therapist and I'm like, hey, are you okay? Because I know you're my therapist, but like, like yeah, I'm also like, they're also scared. They're also Our pastors therapy. are scared. Like whoever it is you look to for guidance, they're, they're also scared. Yeah. And that's never really happened in our lifetime. No, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Let's get into a little weather. 79 in La Quinta, 79 in Cathedral City. It's going to be a high of 19 in St. Louis. 27 in Buffalo, 46 in Baltimore, 72 in Phoenix, 79 in Miami, 18 in Kansas City, and 54 in Houston. Now give us a vibe of the day. You didn't come this far to only come this far. Things seem bleak sometimes. Listen, you wake up tomorrow, it's a new day. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You're if right. not, just listen to us. We're hot messes. Yes. We'll make you feel better about yourself. We'll make you feel totally better. <laughs> All right, coming up, it is Therapy Thursdays. We're talking the psychology behind why people believe in conspiracies. Coming up next. The Morning B. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of Therapy Thursdays. And lordy, lordy, do we need it. There's a lot going on in the world. Uh, obviously, there's political turmoil. There's racial uh, unrest all over. Uh, things are going on with Russia and the Ukraine and the United States right now. Uh, we just had a conversation recently of one of our trans brothers attacked in Denver and Uber not doing much about it. It's a lot, right? And then you throw in QAnon. Just as a quick reminder, earlier in this week, we were talking about QAnon and their conspiracy theories. Uh, Some of them think that we're lizard people. Recently at an Arizona rally, believers were stating that they thought that Donald Trump uh, was no longer Donald Trump, that he'd been maybe replaced, that maybe he's not even alive anymore, and that the man that was playing him was John F. Kennedy, that he's alive and well, and he's back in politics. It's hard to wrap your brain around all of this, but... It's really driving so many conversations. It's driving our democracy into the ground. And we want to understand. We want to understand because I think every single family in this nation has been impacted in some way, shape, or form by a family member who's gone down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole. So here to help us make sense of it all for Therapy Thursdays is Dr. Peter Ditto, a professor of psychological science at the University of California, Irvine. Uh, Dr. Ditto, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for now, joining us. This is wild because on a personal level, I've dealt with family members, very close family members who've gotten super, super religious and all of a sudden completely did a 180 on how they view me and our family and the world. And then it seems like those same type of people are the ones who are now jumping on this conspiracy theory, this QAnon train. Uh, what is it about conspiracy theories and cults and things like that that are able to pull people in so easily? And what sort of like signs can we look for if we're trying to help steer clear of these like rabbit holes? Yeah, it's, you know, it's complicated and, and you can, there's at least, there's a way to think about it sort of at an individual level and then at a, at a sort of more group or societal level. So, I mean, some people are, are sort of prone to this kind of thinking and it's really helpful, I think, to think about it kind of one of the, the great things about autism, people understand it's sort of on a spectrum. I think it's really helpful to think about lots of psychological phenomena that way, but conspiratorial thinking is kind of like that. They're natural things that people do. We're all trying to make sense out of a crazy world. We're all trying to look and to figure out what's happening. We're all very sensitive to whether, you know, somebody's out there kind of trying to get us. Uh, you know, we're all you know, in this, in this battle and some people just sort of take it, to this extreme, right? And they, it's, it's sometimes it's these individual sort of characteristics, people who, um, you know, again, it's not, it's not a phenomenon of dumb people, but it's a phenomenon that's more common in, in people with lower education, people who are sort of in, in inclined toward intuitive, magical kind of religious thinking. Uh, and, you know, so, so those kind of people very often will, will fall prey to these kind of, and, and what I think what's striking about it is how, how crazy these things are, right? It's, you know, they're, they, they sort of take this extreme that, that, that JFK is, is, is helping Trump or, uh, you know, any, any number of these sort of aspects of QAnon. Uh, yeah, we're lizard people. We're actually first lizards. First of all, lizards have beautiful shaped eyes, and I wish, honey, just for <laughs> me, I could serve that shape. No, it's crazy. They also, I will say in my experience, I have a best friend who I've known since I was two years old, and I love her, but she's very deep into conspiracies, and oftentimes I'll say, okay, queen, like I want to validate where she's coming from because I think it's important. And I don't think that everything that she says is a complete lie, but I don't know how to communicate with her and still make her feel validated without saying, like, sis, I don't think that JFK is Trump. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that makes it so difficult and one of the sort of important factors to understand here is this sort of really widespread breakdown in trust that we have in this country. People don't trust the government. They don't trust Science. They don't trust sort of big institutions, uh, you know, social media, things like that. And once somebody doesn't trust you or doesn't trust those things, it's really hard to kind of reestablish that trust, right? And that's really what what fuels this. It's like, well, you know, here's this, here's these things that are happening, you know, uh, uh, pandemics and things. And I just, you know, you're telling me it's all natural, but I just don't trust you. I don't trust that. It doesn't. It seems like there's something more. And, you know, and it's, it's perfectly reasonable to be suspicious. It's perfectly reasonable to sort things out. Sometimes things aren't as they appear, well, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, you get somebody who's off on a limb if they just don't understand, you know, they don't trust you. And it's, that's it, trying to reestablish that trust is helpful. Well, that's what's so fascinating to me because the, the, the thing with 
conspiracy theories, and I've experienced this as a, as a gay man with religion my entire life, too. You know, Michaela and I are both queer people. We went to Catholic school growing mm-hmm. up, and now we have very interesting relationships with, with, with our, our faith and our beliefs. And there always is a tie-in to, like, extremely religious people, <clears throat> oftentimes uh, those with maybe just a high school education or less, and these conspiracy theories. And when you talk about mm-hmm. trust, I guess my concern is, because so oftentimes, this is why it's hard to argue with somebody about a conspiracy theory. There's an element of truth, right? There's an element mm-hmm. of truth that makes sense. And then you say, well, how do I argue that? Because I know that that is actually true and I agree with that. But then everything else that they're branching off in this rabbit hole they're going down to is insane. But the basis, there's some truth in it. So what are some 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 tips for having conversations to start to rebuild some of that trust and 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 listening to somebody who might not agree with without just accepting everything they say and validating it. <laughs> Boy, those are, you know, these are really tough you know, how to solve this problem, right? Because the, the other part of sort of reestablishing trust is it's not just you against them. It's you against them and all the other people who also believe this. And so this is part of the problem is, is that we have, you have people have a tendency to believe it, and then right now they're getting all kinds of support. There's nothing that helps somebody believe something more than having somebody else believe it too. And particularly if they're people who look like reasonable people, people who are on the news, people who are in politics, if they're telling you those things, right, if they have support. Well, I have people who believe that. And there's, there's actually some evidence that links loneliness, for example, to conspiratorial thinking. People mm-hmm. are trying to make a connection. They're trying. There's nothing like sharing that secret with somebody, right? Uh, so, so you, you're. It's a it's a formidable foe. Once once you're established, once you know people have these beliefs and they have a lot of support for them. I think you know again trying to establish some kind of trust. Do you trust me? Who do you trust? Uh, you know, and trying to sort of. Uh, you know, back them away a little bit from these things. I'm I'm sort of tongue tied because it 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 is a real it's a really difficult challenge to try and once somebody so you think about it, once you lose trust mm-hmm. lose trust in a in a partner or in a spouse how do you get that back Yep, you do but a circle really, of really trust and that's the breakdown. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Peter, I think that what's best is we just do it like they did in Mean Girls. We take the entire world, we take them into the cafeteria, into the assembly room, <laughs> we hold and hands. we hold hands, and we create a circle of trust, and hopefully Regina won't be there, and hopefully she will be. Kaylee, you're wild. You you focus on that. Yeah. You focus on that. Listen, I mean, bring, when the professor of psychological... Bring other people together is not a bad idea. See, oh, yeah. you're, you're onto something. I, listen, I know, honey. You're I insane, know. but you're onto something. Listen, when the professor of psychological science... At the University of California, Dr. Peter Ditto is tongue-tied about how to deal with these conspiracy theorists. It's an issue. It's tough. And we're so thankful that you joined us to help us better communicate with people that think JFK is Trump. So thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Good luck, guys. Keep up the fight. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, raising kids without traditional gender roles. Should this be a thing? We'll discuss next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat, where just moments ago, Michaela Gordon single-handedly, well, with the help of uh, a reference from the Mean Girls and Regina George, uh, solved QAnon. I did. We had a we had a doctor on, an expert, a therapist, or psychological uh, conversation, psychological conversation for Therapy Thursdays, right? And uh, Michaela 
said, "Hey, let's do a circle of trust, like they did in Mean Girls." And the doctor and the, and the doctor、room. said, "That's not a terrible idea." If you want to hear that conversation, you'll thank us later. Trust me. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now and download the Odyssey app. You can listen to us as a podcast. Our Vanessa, our producer Vanessa, works very hard every day to get、yes. ourselves a podcast after we go off the air, and、uh, it's a good one. It's a good conversation. Yes.、Uh, this one might be better though. Okay. Okay. So one parent is being praised by some and dragged by others for revealing that they are raising their eight children. Without traditional gender roles. Now, just like every bit of news, I feel like we get nowadays, this comes from TikTok, and this video has gone viral. And some of the ways that、uh, that they say are maybe a little bit controversial. The way that they raise their children, they allow the children to take mental health days off of school. Their children are allowed to curse as much as they want, and they do it a lot.、Uh, and they are not expected to follow any sort of gender roles. Now. Uh, this has been viewed over a million times,、um, and there's a lot of support and a lot of backlash, and it has me wondering, Michaela, as somebody who's going through her own、um, sort of journey towards motherhood. I know you want to be a mom someday. Definitely. How do you have this conversation? And, and, and have you and Lisa talked about it? Do you, do you raise your kids as a gender? It's one thing to say we're not going to have a gender reveal party, right? And I think that's a little bit more accepted. But to say we're going to raise our children without genders at all, are you on board with that? Or is it a little bit weird? What are your thoughts?、Um, it's very interesting because before I met Lisa, I was like, I want three girls all in tutus, and they're going to be so fierce. And then Lisa was like, I hated being in tutus, and I wanted to be in boy clothes. And I was like, Okay, I hear that. And so we've really come. Together to say that when we raise our children, you know, I wore tutus and I also was a really great athlete. I played soccer my entire life and I was a cheerleader. Like I was able to do both, and you know, Lisa was the best soccer player. It got her to play、uh, for Santa Barbara, and I think that what I would just like to implement is really following my kids' lead. If my daughter. Wants to play sports and cut her hair short and wear more or less boy clothes. She's got the freedom to do that. If she wants to wear tutus and pink, she's got the freedom to do that. I I just want them to feel good and special and happy and very supported.、Mm-hmm. I don't want to choose anything for them. Well, just the fact that you're referring to your daughter as she. Well,、repeatedly. I'm assuming. I know, but I'm thinking the, 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 this this idea of parenting though. They're taking gender out. They're using they're using neutral pronouns. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that that feels like a bit much. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I、yeah. if I have a girl, if I get pregnant, <clears throat> and they tell me it's a girl, I'm going to show a pink cake and I'm going to say this is my girl. If she comes to me and says I don't want to be a girl, I want to be a boy, I'm going to absolutely respect my son's. Pronouns、mm-hmm. and raise him how he would choose, but I think it's a bit extreme not ha- having my my child come out and and refer to them as they them for me. Yeah, sure, I hear you because I'm willing to respect it. Yeah, when, when you tell me, I'm kind of on board with that. I think to a degree. I know I wish that certain gender expectations were not placed so strongly on me growing up. Yeah, I love that I grew up playing sports. I love that, but I remember, and my mom hates I tell the story over and over again. I wanted to be a dancer. My cousin Christy was a dancer, and she was beautiful. And there were a few male dancers, and they were incredible. One of them was named Jai Pagarian. He was awesome. Every year, I went to the recitals, and I saw him. He was Filipino. He was gorgeous. He was super talented, and he was like the male lead in every number with all the girls. 
because he was one of the only men who danced. And I wanted to be Jai so bad. And every single year, my mom said, no, you're not going to dance. Kids are going to call you gay. You're going to play sports. And I kind of, I resented her for that. To this day, I sort of resent her for it. So in some ways, I think that I could be raised as a boy because I am a boy and I identify as, as male, right? So that's fine. That's that's on brand. That's, that's in line with who I feel that I am, right? But I do wish that my mom had been a little bit less strict because my mom was a tomboy. Well, that's what it is for so me. So she experienced it too. Totally. And Lisa was uh, had a lot of the feminine qualities placed on her, and she didn't want that. Mm. She wanted to be... Uh, she wanted to be a tomboy. She wanted to do that. And I think that that's the importance. I don't think the issue is having your baby come into the world and using their birth pronoun. If I have birth to a little girl, she's here. I think where things get confusing is when you start saying, well, you're a girl, so you can't wear pants or hat and play baseball. Because I think also, also, kids need structure. They need guidance until they're old enough to make decisions for themselves and then say, oh, this is actually how I feel. Yeah. And then you adjust. And you can have conversations. There are so many resources now. Mm-hmm. There's books about pronouns, they, them. Mm-hmm. You started in an early age, as I will in motherhood, to really let our children know you can be anything well, you want to be. create the safe space so that if they decide that, that uh, yeah. two, three, five, ten years down the road, they change their mind, they're allowed to do yeah. that, and that's okay. I do think that things like... It's interesting because this mother talks about we don't raise them with gender norms. They're allowed to take mental health days off of school, which, I mean, I could get on board with that from time to time, I guess. You need a day off. I understand that kids get they get they get stressed, especially going to school through a global pandemic. Absolutely. I can't even imagine. But they're allowed to curse all the time. I feel like that has no – I don't think that makes any sense to me in any way, shape, or form. Well, what on earth does cursing have to do with your gender? Maybe the lesson I – I don't know how I feel about this yet. My kids aren't cursing in front of me. The lesson may be is that it's just the power that you put behind a word and mm-hmm. how you can take that power away. Sure. Um, I and hear it. So, but also, also, those kids have to go out into the real world and they're going to use those words in situations that are not acceptable or appropriate. And and there are something there. there is something to me, there is something about respect. Like you still need to respect your elders. You still need to respect those around you. I can teach my child respect themselves more, and that's something I think that lacks. But that doesn't mean I want my kid going out into the world and cursing up a storm just because they can. Listen, I remember one time I was outside my grandma's house in my mom's Volvo. I was maybe five, and I said, please, please, can I just say it one time? And my mom said, why do you need to say it? I said, I just need to say it, please, one time. And she was like, say it one time and do not say it again. And I screamed the F word. Mm. And it felt so good. And then she said, no, no, don't you ever effing say that again. And I go, okay. And that was it. Well, I do have one update for you. Tell me. I just got four emojis of a palm on the face from my mother. She's listening right now. And once again, she's upset with me for sharing that story. But mom, I should have been a dancer. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. You're in luck. It's time for another round of What's Poppin', Michaela. What do you have? All right. Well, we were talking about conspiracies and cults. And if you missed that conversation, you can always download our podcast at odyssey.com. But Holly Madison, a former Playboy playmate who lived in the house with Hugh Hefner, is coming out again in an A&E docuseries, Secrets of Playboy, talking about how the mansion was pretty cult-like. Uh, 
we have a little audio. Let's take a listen and then we'll discuss. The reason I think the mansion was very cult-like, looking back on it, is because we were all kind of gaslit and expected to think of Hef as like this really good guy. And you started to feel like, oh, he's not what they say in the media. He's just a nice man. Another thing that reminds me of a cult is how it was so easy to get isolated from the outside world there. You had a nine o'clock curfew. You were encouraged to not have friends over. You weren't really allowed to leave unless it was like a family holiday. You know, it's so interesting because uh, she goes on to say the first time that they had sex was extremely traumatic. She said that she was wasted and he was literally pushed on top of her. And after it happened, she was mortified and embarrassed. And it had way more of an emotional impact on her than she thought it would. And we're looking at an era where, what was this, 15 years ago that... How was the show on the air? If you think about it, like, it's so weird and rapey. Well, but we, I loved the show. But, babe, why was, like, Rock of Love on the show? On why the air, like, yeah. Th- there were so, uh, yeah, on the air. I mean, it, we look at it now, yeah. very obvious, but there were situations and there were stories and there were places that we know that really catered to this behavior and, and they were cool guys. A perverted old man who walks around in pajamas all day long and his three girlfriends that are like a quarter his age. And that right. was a TV show. And we're like, yeah, cool. Let's tune in. And we um, were taught that like as women, every woman wanted to go to the Playboy Mansion. And we yeah. knew what happened at the Playboy Mansion. My sister Mansion, used to go to parties there. But we wanted to go. Everybody wanted we to wanted go. We wanted to get implants. We wanted to dye our hair blonde. The, and we wanted to be Playboy playmates. The Midsummer Night's Dream Party every year was the big event. And what they didn't say was how many women, women were drugged and raped. And now we're hearing those stories. Well, we've heard from, I think it was, was it Kendra or somebody else was talking, or it was Bridget, who was talking about how there was a, 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 a calendar that all the girls were on to get quaaludes. Yes. So that they would each rotate once their time was up to go to the doctor again, they could legally get more quaaludes. They would all get more quaaludes. And let's keep in <laughs> like, mind, what? like Hugh Hefner was not having consensual sex. No. If these women were being drugged to have sex he with him. He was a rapist through and through. Like, and if you look back, there's no other word. A million percent. There's not. And, and honestly, and, that's mm. why Playboy has completely been dismantled. Well, they're going through a total rebrand a now. Yep. Direction. And people can be mad all they want but for all women that uh that have experienced sexual abuse oftentimes they're the women that have had to like hide for the person or or feel like it was their fault in some way no we got to start calling it what it is Hugh Hefner was a rapist if these allegations are true and I believe these women yep what it's true. and when men run all of the major corporations globally Women are always in a position where they always need a man to help them get the life they want. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yes. It's, it's wild to look back 10, 20 Can years. Can you believe think, that and mm-hmm. think totally differently? I watched that show religiously. I loved it. I did too. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. You know I'm feeling good as hell too, Lizzo. Love that song, Never Gets Old. Also want to update you as we head into our final hour here on The Morning Beat. Mama Kath, she's listening today. She's listening from Florida right now, and she wanted to let me know that she sent me some face palm emojis earlier, and we were talking about a story where, as a child, I think we were talking about uh, 
raising children without genders, right? The conversation of the mother raising eight children without genders. And I said, I wish that my mom had eased up on the gender roles just a bit because I wanted to be a dancer. And my mom was kind of a tomboy. And my mom sent me face palm emojis and I called her out on the air. Yeah. It turns out she's like, no, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I'm just embarrassed. I wish I would have been different. I was like, oh, mom, you're so sweet. Listen, I feel like parenting is the hardest job, and I'm learning that and doing therapy with my dad, who I also want to murder right now and mm-hmm. not go yep, back. Yep, same. Um, but they definitely are trying their best, and I think that it's really hard for them to grow up and us grow up and them realize that they made mistakes that played really uh, crucial parts of our life. I feel like here's what parenting is, and this is why we talked about this the other day too, how we have such special bonds with our grandparents, right? Yes. Especially grandmothers. Women are just different yep. and in all the best ways. And sometimes our parents get a little bit jealous of how close we were to our grandparents. Because here's what it really is. Your parents, by and large, are winging it. They have no idea what they're doing for the first 18 to 20 years that you're alive. Sometimes they're trash. Sometimes they're amazing. But they're really just figuring it out. It's like, oh, I have this this human I have to keep alive. And then after they realize all the mistakes they've made and the, the things they would have done differently, they become fantastic grandparents. Yeah. So later in life, and they get it. sometimes they don't become great grandparents. <laughs> or that, or that part. And sometimes you just get to see your mom and dad and realize they have their own mental health issues. <laughs> That's very true. And they're doing their best with the tools that they have that still does not make them adequate parents or grandparents. Mm. But you see them for who they are so that you can be at peace with how things happened when you were raised, you know, it's just tough. And I think that's what got me into therapy. I want to be a mom and I didn't want to carry any of the baggage that my mom and my dad had. And if that's the lesson that they gave me in order to create a human that's a good person, like, And thank also, you. yes, yes, therapy twice. I listened to her already. I think also our parents, oftentimes that generation and generations before, there was such a lack of communication and love and mutual respect. It was like the parent is the parent and the kid is the kid and that's that. Yeah. And I think that that's not necessarily healthy. And as you grow into adulthood, you start to understand it. And I think that we're breaking, you know, we're breaking cycles right now. And sometimes that's really easy. Sometimes it's not easy at all. But yeah. mom, I love you. Uh, I'll dance with you at my wedding. And I'll, uh, maybe I'll take a dance class before then. So cute. To make up for it so I can stop complaining about it on the air and dragging my mom every other week. <laughs> Sure, she really gets sick of that. Yeah, uh, coming up, it. coming up this hour, we have a fantastic hour coming up for you. Uh, we're joined by Sire Clinky, who's a transgender man. He's an activist from Denver, and he was recently attacked brutally, and thought that Uber would be a safe space to get him home. Had no idea that not only would it not be a safe space, that Uber would basically just toss him aside. The story is tragic. You need to hear it, uh, and you're going to hear it from his mouth. Uh, he's joining us here on the morning beat in about uh, 12 minutes from now. Stick around for that. And then we're going to wrap things up this hour with a couple of really, really sweet, inspirational stories and tell me something good that'll send you off into your day with a little bit of love and light in your heart because we all need that right yes, now. Yes, we do. Currently, though, it's time for news on the beat. Michaela, what do you have? All right. Well, the year long Democratic push for federal voting rights legislation died in the Senate on Wednesday night after Republicans blocked an elections bill for the fifth time in six months. And Democrats failed to unite their caucus behind a plan to rewrite the Senate's rules and pass it anyway. The final clash, which has been brewing since Democrats won congressional majorities a year ago as Republican legislatures in 19 states embarked on a campaign to roll back election access, began with an evening vote to close debate on a sprawling voting rights bill. 
that vote at the Senate's traditional 60 vote margin for legislation failed on party lines. Senate Majority Leader Charles E. Schumer then moved to reconsider the legislation to propose a rules change, allowing for the bill's advancement with a simple majority of 51 votes. The Senate rejected that maneuver 52 to 48 with two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, joining all 50 Republicans in opposition. Go away, Kirsten Sinema. Go away. Just go away. All right, in other news, HBO and HBO Max have become the top contenders at the GLAAD Media Awards with a combined 19 nominations, landing the bulk of its nods for its TV shows like Hacks, The Other Two, and The Sex Lives of College Girls. The annual awards honor media for fair and accurate representations of LGBTQ people. Streaming services nabbed a total of 63 nominees, with cable receiving 39 nominations and broadcast networks receiving 17 nominations. Glad noted that the representation came during a year when anti-transgender violence rose and lawmakers across the U.S. introduced a number of bills attempting to stop transgender youth from participating in sports and accessing health care. All right, let's get into a little weather, shall we? It's going to be a high of 54 in Houston, 79 in Palm Springs, 63 in Vegas, 73 in LA, 79 in Miami, 57 in San Francisco, 54 in Atlanta, 27 in Buffalo, 19 in St. Louis, and 79 in La Quinta. They give us a vibe of the day. You didn't come this far to only come this far. Keep going. Yeah. You never know what's right around the corner. I love that. Michaela, have you ever been surfing? Um, yes, I have. Did you get up? You stood up? Yeah, I did. Okay, where? Um, it was years ago in Venice. Okay. And it was so random. Oh, here in Southern California. Yeah. Huge surfing community down there in Venice yeah. and Manhattan Beach. I'm nervous to surf here because it's the water's kind of dark and cold. Yeah. I learned to surf in Hawaii. And it was crystal clear, warm as can be, and incredible. I got up my very first try. It's exhausting. It's so hard. But it's so rewarding and so mm-hmm. much fun. Uh, Dan Fisher knows a little bit more about surfing than I do. He's originally from Ontario, or from Montreal, Canada. Uh, and for the last seven years, he's been living in, in Newport, Rhode Island. And he surfs regularly. Well, he's suffered a lot of loss in the past few years. He lost his father and his best friend. So he thought it would be kind of cool to write his father's name on his surfboard and take him out uh, to catch one last wave, right? Oftentimes, surfers know as the sun's starting to set, you it's so common to say, let's get that one last wave in. One last wave before the sun goes down and it's too dangerous. And so he wrote his dad's name on there and put it on TikTok just a few weeks ago, mm. right? This video started going viral and it picked up so much steam that people started writing, writing, uh, reaching out to him and writing him and saying, hey, could you also take my loved one who has passed away out for one last ride? One last, catch oh one last God, wave. I love and soon he had a dozen responses, then 100, then 500. Now over 1,000 responses. Uh, it's led him to create One Last Wave Project. It's a full-on movement now. His entire surfboard is covered in names. He writes them on there with like a white permanent marker. And he says it is just unbelievable. Everybody should get One Last Wave. This is a way of sharing their story and getting one last adventure in. Even though they may have passed on uh, in body, their spirit is still very much alive and well. And he's found so much healing in the ocean, which for me, I can relate yes. to. Something about, you know, you when you went to Puerto Vallarta with us a couple years ago, yes. there was something about being in the water. Yep. The ocean is just a healing space. 
and he knows this better than anyone. Uh, kudos to you for starting this one-man project that I'm sure is going to blossom, blossom into something even bigger. Absolutely. Okay, this story is also amazing. There's a coach. Um, he's a high school football coach in Pittsburgh, and he started a new tradition. There was a, a big, heavy snowstorm coming. And so Brian Delalo, a teacher and the head football coach, said to his football players that weight training is canceled, Jay. Instead, I want you to find an elderly or disabled neighbor neighbor, and shovel their driveway. Love it. And that's exactly what they did, and the community lost their minds. I'll tell you, yesterday I was getting gas, and I went to throw something wait, away. Wait, you did what? I, it was a big day you for me. You put gas in your car? It was a big day for wow. me. I don't want to brag. Okay, Vanessa. I also prepare yourselves, threw away my coffee cup. In the same day? In the same day. Who is she? I don't Who know. Who is this person? It's a, And she's a new gal. She's 34. But she, but she, I went to throw the <laughs> coffee cup away. And there was this really old lady trying to get the gas back on the pump. And I was like, hey, can I help you? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh my God. And I ran over and helped her. And she was like, thank you. And it just reminded me that like, our elderly women and men, like, they do need help. And things, like, that are as simple as putting your gas on the pump is hard. Hey, if you if you grew up, like I did, shoveling snow in the winter, I grew up in Ohio, and it was the most miserable thing in the world. On one hand, you'd wake up and you'd find out that school was canceled. That's fantastic. But very quickly, you realized that meant, oh, we're going to be shoveling the snow off our driveway and sidewalks and our neighbors, Ugh. all the senior citizens who live near us. We had to go shovel their their walkways as well. And my dad was much better at it than I was growing up, but I definitely had to help. And it was not always fun. No. It's a well, lot of work. I love this. I think it's so great. And more people should do it. And it's a sweet, endearing story. That's the end of our show. Tomorrow is a Friday going into the weekend. We love that. Well, it's Friday then. It's, it's Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Sunday. What? Yeah, we I love, love that, that song. song. It's so good. Uh, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to our guests, Vanessa, our producer, AJ. You're incredible. Have a great day. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is 
is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 